Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our Visitors Edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Next week, the calendar rolls over to November and the stretch run commences for Michigan football. This week, we get a bit of a break, though, with the bye. Joining us will be the National College football writer for The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach. First, my view from Section 17 to get us going. Other than rehashing what happened in East Lansing last Saturday, it's been a quiet week around here. The players are getting some downtime, healing up, and preparing for Penn State and the home stretch. We moved up to number five in the AP poll this week and are the only undefeated team in Big Ten play. I, for one, am ready to leave the Spartan fiasco in the rearview mirror for now until next November. For the first time in a long time, I feel good about where we are headed into November. I'm not really overconfident, but I do believe this could be a November to remember and in a good way. Penn State rolls into town next week with two losses and they have not played well over the last three weeks losing to Ohio State, Michigan State, and then really hanging on last week in Bloomington against the Hoosiers. They still have plenty of talent, and they are going to be ready to play next Saturday. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that on next week's shows. Our guest today knows her stuff. For the last six years, she was the national college football writer at USA Today. You've probably seen her on BTN as a studio analyst and a guest quite often, too. This year, she joined The Athletic, and became their national writer covering college football. She is widely recognized as one of the best young sports writers in America. She also happens to be a U of M alum. Nicole Arbach is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
With us on our visitors segment this week is senior writer from The Athletic, Nicole Arbach. Nicole, wonderful to finally have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, Nicole, on Monday, you wrote a piece in The Athletic. It was titled, Rivalry Hits a New Level When Michigan Hates Michigan State Back. And as you said, uh, Jim Harbaugh is not one to say something he doesn't mean. But what happened on Saturday, he's not going to let it go, is he? No, and I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I think it's funny. I think we're at the point now you're just getting statements on statements on statements about the timing down to the minute and second of the pregame routine. I mean, I, I think it's great. I think it's, it's fun. Um, I, I think rivalries kind of need people on both sides who active, actively dislike each other. I think it's more fun that way. I thought Chase Winovich's comments at the end of the game were great. I think it's, I think it's entertaining, and it's just, you know, there's been two other recent seasons with Michigan, and, you know, the, the dominant one was that, you know, they're dismissive. It's not the biggest rivalry game to, to Michigan or Michigan fans. Um, you know, and then that bothers state, that bothers state fans. And then Michigan's not good and can't beat state. And then that's a whole different, you know, feel to that rivalry over the last decade or so. And now you've got teams that are you know pretty evenly matched you know you've got a lot of dislike on both sides you've got Harbaugh kind of taking a page out of D'Antonio's playbook with kind of you know finding a perceived slight and making it into a huge deal and I, I just think I think it's good for the rivalry it's good for you know the state of Michigan it just makes it more fun when you've got people taking jabs at each other well absolutely I think most Michigan fans agree I mean this reaction is a far cry from Brady Hoke's apology to Spartan mm-hmm. Nation you know back in 2014 for that Spear incident, we all remember it. I think a lot of Michigan fans are, you know, are saying right now, hey, it's about time. Uh, let's admit we hate them, which really has not been the case for a long time in this series, Nicole. Right, and, and I think then, you know, bringing up Brady Hoke's apology, I think that, that, was, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because, you know, it, it, a couple players, you know, go out there, put a stake down, whatever. I mean, there has been far worse things on both sides of the rivalry. And to apologize to your rival is just, you know, and saying it's not good sportsmanship. I mean, it's a rivalry. It's not supposed to have great sportsmanship. Um, so I much prefer this where you have everyone just doubling down and saying that they refuse to apologize than coming close to apologizing for something. Because I'm with you. I mean, I think you better just to admit you don't like each other and just keep going from there. I think, you know, it's got a lot of already counting down days till next year, which is the whole point, and, and that's what makes it fun. You know, what's interesting is that we are all focused here in, in Michigan during Michigan, Michigan State Week, but Saturday's game turned out to be ESPN's second highest rated noon start this year, meaning this rivalry plays very well nationally too, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, people know enough, a lot about both coaches, um, you know, to, to that point, and I think that there's a lot of curiosity nationally about how good is this Michigan team? And I think, you know, that's why you had game day there for, for the Wisconsin game and people coming away from that really impressed and then people coming away from the state game also really impressed because you knew what you're getting with the defense, but I think people have been kind of peeking in each Saturday to see, you know, how much they're really opening the offense with the Shea Patterson, how much can they score because we've seen for a couple of years now, you know, they'd have to try to win games really low scoring and maybe with a pick six because the offense wasn't reliable. So I think people are, you know, just trying to figure out how much better Michigan's gotten since the opener against Notre Dame and and just coming away impressed each week. And I kind of think I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I think that they are 
you know, Harbaugh harping on this pregame incident and stuff, it's it's probably much better for his players and his team to kind of be rehashing this or whatever on a bye week mm-hmm. instead of listening to all the people saying how good they are now. Um, and so that's an interesting kind of side effect, or maybe it's the main point of kind of keeping this war of words going. You know, I thought it was interesting. Sunday morning I was talking to a couple of my Alabama buddies, uh, and they were saying, hey, this game seems nastier than Alabama-Auburn does down there. I mean, you cover it nationally. Do you think it ranks as one of the nastiest rivalries in college football? Well, I I think in-state rivalries in general are very different than than other ones. Mm -hmm. And and I think that it, it definitely is to some extent. I mean, it, with that, with Michigan, Michigan State, you always have, you know, so many people who go and tailgate and get involved in, in the game days that don't go to the game that are just there for that atmosphere, that energy for all the divided households and, and all of that. And I think there is that animosity, um, you know, that, that maybe is different with some, you know, when you have some rivalries that are, you know, maybe separated by more distance within a state or if they're if they're so lopsided you know sometimes you don't have that so I think it's up there with with all the best in-state rivalries um you know there's a reason that they won't make Michigan Michigan State a night game (laughs) they don't think the fans can can coexist that long and so you also don't see that some of these other fan bases do get you know the benefit of the doubt and they will schedule night games and let the you know the, the, the fan bases interact all day and tailgate together um, which is probably not the best idea with Michigan, Michigan State. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think, again, you ha- already had that animosity between the fan bases year-round, and so I think that now we're just seeing it reflected with the coaches and some of the players, which, you know, does match, you know, that there is a lot of hatred and, and, and frustration, and it's because every single family in Michigan, you're going to have, you're going to know somebody on both sides, mm-hmm. and you're going to have those divided flags and uniforms and different things. You're going to have people who went to state, but group Michigan fans being very torn and all that stuff's great. So I, I do think it's right up there, um, you know, with, with all the heated in-state rivalries. Well, Penn State is up next for Michigan. It's the bye week, as we know, and then it's Rutgers and Indiana. If Michigan can take care of business against those three teams, it comes down to Thanksgiving weekend, Columbus. Jim's got to beat Ohio State sometime. We all know that. Do you think it might be this year? Well, it's hard to tell right now because, you know, Ohio State was thoroughly, you know, beaten in every phase of the game against Purdue. And you can't expect that Ohio State's going to play that poorly against no. Michigan. And we, we all know that. Um, but but so, you know, it, it just depends how close they look to that. Uh, because, you know, I think that one of the things that jumped out was how weak Ohio State was at kind of responding to being punched in the mouth in that game. And, and, you know, I, I saw people floating around on Twitter saying that they look soft, and, and they really did defensively um, with all the missed tackles and just the lack of focus, lack of physicality. And those are things that Michigan has. Michigan is a physical team, um, and, and they're going to be able to, to, to push the Buckeyes around. And, you know, that game is so special and so different, and everyone plays up for it. And so, you know, you're not – no one's going to give away that game, but I do think – you know, if Michigan continues on this trajectory where the offense continues to improve, the O-line continues to improve, um, you know, it, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. And especially at that point, if both are playing for, you know, a spot in the, the Big Ten title game, which means that, you know, maybe you're in the driver's seat for the playoff as well. 
Um, I, I think it'll be really interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, you knocked off one of the rivals. That's something that's been a monkey on, on Harbaugh's back. And Ohio State's the big one. That's the one that he hasn't gotten yet. And, and I think, you know, this team is built. This team is, is good enough to do it. Um, it's just going to come down to execution on that day. And like I said, how well Ohio State plays because we know how good they could be offensively. I have lots of questions about them defensively, but also how close are they going to play to the way that they did on Saturday where they were just beaten in every phase of the game by a team that really, you know, you have a great coach, you have a very consistent quarterback. Um, you know, there's a lot of confidence on that Purdue team, but talent-wise they should not have been close in that game. And so you're going to have a very talented and a strong team that's, you know, ideally very confident as well if Michigan's able to, you know, run through this this part of the schedule leading up to that. So I think it's going to be really fascinating. It's fascinating every year, but even more so if Michigan is the team that people expect to win that game. Well, on the national scene, Nicole, it's been a crazy year with the top 10 teams going down almost every week, which is, you know, it's great for the fans, great for the game. Alabama being the exception, they just look unstoppable right now, don't they? They do, and it's actually been interesting to see that you have even players at some of these other schools, you know, talking about how, you know, it's one of those years, anybody can beat anybody, well, except for Alabama. And this, this everyone's just so resigned to that, uh, <laughs> that they're head and shoulders above everyone else, which is weird and, and not normal, even when Alabama looks that way, just that you have some of these other contenders admitting that. And I, I think, you know, it's still hard to tell exactly how good Alabama is because of the level of competition they've played. And, you know, I am very excited for, for their LSU game for that reason. I mean, we still, Tua has not come close to playing in the fourth quarter yet. We don't know. We know what, he, well, we saw him in the title game. We know what it takes, you know, when he needs to be clutch. But they just haven't been in, in a situation like that. You are, you're in games now where they're up by, you know, 20, 30 points, and you have announcers openly wondering if they should kick a field goal just to get practice for their field goal <laughs> kicker. I mean, it is, it's just, it's crazy. And, um, you know, you forget they have a punter, you know, it's the weird season for them too. Um, and I believe that they're very, very good, but I think we're going to learn a lot about them when they play LSU at, at, at Tiger stadium on the road at night. Um, it should be by far their, their toughest game. And, you know, at least, They'll be going up against a good defense, and we can maybe see Tua get to the fourth quarter. I mean, that's kind of the weirdest but most entertaining thing that he, you know, the, the Heisman favorite hasn't played in the fourth quarter this year. It's such a bizarre stat, um, and and you know, everyone just keeps wondering, like, will he? Will he? I mean, the LSU game would be the one if if he does. So we'll see. But yeah, it's you know, it's been strange because everyone outside of them looks you know flawed and has been inconsistent at times, and then Bama just you know, continues to roll, and it seems unfair that they have a quarterback like Tua now. Well, when you look at the top 25 right now, Nicole, what teams have been surprises for you? Um, you know, I would say, you know, keeping it to the Big Ten or starting with the Big Ten, um, you know, I really thought that it was the West and, and that Wisconsin would be as usual, that, that they would just dominate and no one else would really have a chance, and they're just not having the season that they had hoped that they would, and so, you know, I've been really impressed by Iowa. Um, I think they're playing some of the best football in the country right now, both sides of the ball. Um, and, and Northwestern is still in the mix, too, in the West. And so, so they're interesting to me, you know. And then I think 
I wasn't expecting Miami to drop off this much and to have all of this uncertainty with the quarterback situation, going back and forth on who's going to start. Um, I really thought that they would kind of be the front runner in the in, in the coastal and set up a you know another conference championship game in the ACC against Clemson. So you know that's been surprising. Um, you know, and then in these you know teams like an Auburn, FSU, those you know they're worse than I was expecting. The Pac-12 has just been a mess, and then now they beating each other. So honestly, a lot of the top 25 surprises me and, and is changing drastically week to week. But I would say the number one biggest surprise in a positive direction for me this season has been Kentucky. And they've been really, they've looked yeah. really good. Benny Snell is legit. Um, Josh Allen's one of the best defensive players in the country. So from a pleasant surprise standpoint, got to be Kentucky. They're actually still in the mix in the SEC East and it's almost November. Well, that's very true. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting stretch run in November, so we shall see. A few more thoughts on Michigan, though, before we let you go, Nicole. You know, from the time Shea Patterson was cleared to play, uh, as you know, expectations around here were really amped up. But have you seen from him so far what you think uh, would lead you to believe he might be that missing piece that can push Michigan to a Big Ten championship? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you've seen you've seen glimpses of that. And I think what was tough was I think a lot of people expected to see everything against Notre Dame. And, and that's a tough environment, tough first game um, for, for a transfer quarterback. And so I think now you're starting to see him ease in. I mean, there were a lot of times in the Michigan State game, though, that I wish that the that they'd called for more passes and for more deep balls because he can throw a pretty ball and Michigan State's passing defense is is not very good and so I think there were probably more opportunities there than we didn't even see I mean we saw a few and they made the highlight reel mm-hmm. but you know I think that that letting him air it out a little bit more um, you know would be nice because that's been an issue you know with, with the stagnant offenses in years past and then this you know you just kind of everyone um puts eight in the box and, and you can't run and and then you know be in third and long situations and I, I don't think you need to be like that you don't need to call games like that when you have Shea Patterson he can also get some stuff done with his legs so I like what I'm seeing from him it seems like he's getting more comfortable getting more confident it seems like they are continuing to open up the playbook for him as the weeks go on um, and so, so I think he, he should be and can be that missing piece because as much as people want to talk about, you know, how improved different quarterbacks were or how, you know, what Jake Rudolph did or different things in those last few years, this really should be a big step up um, at the position and for the offense overall. And it is, I think, so far. Well, the final question for you, Nicole. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's been almost four years since uh, Jim has been back in Ann Arbor. We all know expectations were probably ridiculous when he signed for a lot of money, I know, because we hear about that all the time, too. But do you think on a na- from a national perspective he has underachieved at this job so far? Well, it's interesting timing to think about that, because I think you could certainly have had that conversation in the offseason, and you can have that conversation while also acknowledging, as you know, the dynamics at Michigan or not. Mm-hmm. People would be like, oh, like, you know, they're going to fire him. Of course not. You know, it, it, he is going to be there as long as he wants to be and and he is not going to leave until he has this thing in the position that everyone wants it to be in and so you know they're just gonna have to work through things like the and again some of the stuff he's already knocked off his checklist but it was it was the records against the rivals it was playing ranked teams on the road it was things like that which are big deals especially for any coach but especially coach at michigan 
So I, I think, you know, that fans understood that they had to be patient, but they could also be frustrated at the same time. But I think people are very excited about the direction of this season and, and, and what they're seeing that are different about, you know, the, the offense and being able to keep pace in some of these games. I think the way that they were able to pull away from Michigan State you know, was important because it shouldn't have been a close game. They outplayed them in every area of the game. And so I think when you see teams play the way they should, win games where they are better, where they are more talented, where they are more physical, that's, that's what's encouraging because it's just been a long time since Michigan has been able to play well in the big games. And so I think, you know, I, I was at Michigan during the Rich Rod era and, and one of the most frustrating parts for fans of that era were, was just being not competitive at all against good teams. And so, you know, you've, you've seen issues against the good teams under Harbaugh, but this year feels different. And now everyone thinks differently about that Notre Dame loss as well, because we've acknowledged that that's a really good team. So I think, I think it's shifting, but I think, um, you know, you're always going to be measured at a place like Michigan again, with that, with the record against the rivals and getting to big 10 title games. So I think, you know, if Michigan were able to get to the to, to Indianapolis this year, that would be huge because that's exactly why you brought Jim Harbaugh back to get you in that picture. Because if you're in the race for a Big Ten championship, you're in the national championship picture too. And so I don't know if that's going to be this year, but they certainly look like they're going to be right on the doorstep. Well, our guest today has been Nicole Arbach, senior writer uh, from The Athletic covering college football and the national scene. Nicole, I think some of uh, my listeners think I'm on the payroll at The Athletic because it's a, it's a daily read for me, and I like to talk about it. I have Cody Stavenhagen on, who you know, I'm, and uh, Brendan yeah. Quinn, who brought me over. Tell the listeners, uh, you know, what makes The Athletic different and how they can subscribe or try it out. Well, Michigan fans are a little spoiled, I think, because <laughs> the two guys you just mentioned are terrific, yes. um, and so they're worth the price of admission alone. But you, you also get national coverage. Um, I, I obviously am biased too, but I think it's really good storytelling. It's not hot takes. Um, it's you know you get time to to deeply report and write good stories, and and you know plus the the no ads and pop up videos just make it a much more enjoyable experience. I mean, I think the app is great, as I'm sure you know. And it's just, it's kind of changed the way that I read sports stuff because I used to not want to read anything on my phone because I'm ducking and trying to avoid ads and I don't have to do that anymore. So, uh, you know, I think that it's just been, you know, a really cool place to work to have that freedom to, to, to be creative and to do different types of stories. And um, like I said, I mean, Cody and Brendan are the best of the best. And so Michigan fans really do get their money's worth if they, uh, if they want to subscribe. And I, I would, I wouldn't make that up for other fan bases. I wouldn't go that far, but this fan base, you really do get some excellent writers, and especially in the larger Detroit site and market too. Um, Katie String's terrific too. So, you know, it's 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 been a really cool place to work, and it's been awesome to see people support us. Well, we'll put the information up in our uh, the link on our show notes page, and as you said, Brandon and Cody, who are regulars on this show, well worth the read, and Nicole Arbach, who. Uh, Covers college football in the national scene. Are you, you're going to do some basketball uh, this winter too, Nicole? Uh, yeah, that's still up in the air a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I did last year um, after football season ended and, and saw Michigan Final Four and, and all that. So hopefully we'll be able to do some uh, basketball too once, once football season ends, which is kind of crazy to think about. We're already in week eight. Well, keep up the great work, Nicole. It's, it's been great having you on the show, and I hope you'll come back again. Thank you for your time. All right, thanks for having me. Happy to come back. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man. 
on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, the Big Ten fined Michigan State $10,000 for their part in not taking control of the pregame situation last week. Commissioner Delaney said it could have been a bad situation and MSU should have handled it better. Coach D'Antonio, Jim Harbaugh, and Devin Bush were all officially reprimanded for their parts in the event. I'm sure we're going to hear more about it in the coming weeks, months, and yes, years. Rashawn Gary's mom went public with her thoughts on his injury. She has not liked the speculation surrounding her son's situation and sought to clarify his status. She said the AC joint injury was suffered before the season started. Rashawn played until the pain was just too much. He was advised that four to six weeks of rest and rehab would be needed and that if he played with the injury or came back early, he might require surgery. Jim said Rashawn practiced last week, so he must be feeling better. It will be his decision when he's ready to play. Next week, Penn State rolls into town, and it will be another big test for us. On Tuesday's game day show, my guest will be beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Then on Thursday, we're scheduled to have longtime Penn State radio voice Steve Jones on the show. So make sure you join us next week for all of that. As much as I love Michigan football, I do love this bye week. It gives us a chance to sort of recharge our batteries and get ready for the stretch run and still watch a lot of good college football on Saturday afternoon and evening. So enjoy this Wolverine bye weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!